I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Number one. Miss any part of the show? Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hanson Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. And Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Time to check in with the man himself, Kurt Heelan, NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. Kurt, how the heck are you? Hey, Kurt. I'm doing good. How's it going, gentlemen? Great. It's great to catch up with you. Can't complain. Life is good. Look, I get it. There's a lot, a lot of uh, NBA elitists out there, and I think you probably, you know, I don't know if you fall in this category or not. They kind of thumb, thumb your nose at college hoops. But I'm on my way to call some games in a Mountain West Conference tournament. I love college tournament weekend. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up for sure. I, you know what? I enjoy watching college basketball. It is – I get why some uh, – look, I know a lot of scouts who are this way. I can get this way. If you watch a lot of – I think even football can get this way. If you watch a lot of NFL and then you watch college, you're like, well, the level of execution is yep. not the same. And it's a bigger drop-off um, – at the pros, if you go, you know, look, as you guys know, I live near Long Beach State. I go down and watch games there. Like, going from watching NBA games to the major games, you're like, well, why don't you, you just, would you, and you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But the energy around it, the the passion around it is just so much fun. And, the, and the, the, the players make it entertaining, right? Like, it's just, there's not anything quite like the NCAA, you know, the conference tournaments and the tournaments. Uh, so it's, it's a blast. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when uh, when David Locke took over the play by play for uh, the Jazz, you know, back in two thousand nine, and we kind of built up the uh, what we wanted the broadcast to sound like, and he came up with this idea of like, hey, anytime in the NBA during our broadcast, somebody has a a thirty point game, we'll ring this bell and play a highlight. We'll call it the thirty point bell, and uh, it was a it was a cool feature that we had on the broadcast for a long time until over the last year or so. There's too many bells because the scoring has just jumped up. The individual scoring, we had to get rid of it because it was just happening too often. I think we might need a 40-point bell now. I mean, is this something that just, I mean, how has this all of a sudden just exploded with individual scoring performances? Yeah, especially the last couple of years, and it's been really noticeable this year. And and it it skews you a little bit, right? When you're like, they dropped 30 tonight. Eh, you know, that's nice. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's kind of crazy. Um, Yeah. it's been look. There's been a lot of discussion around the league, and I, I like most things. It's it's there's not one magic silver bullet here. It's it's a combination of the pace being up, but analytics in the sense that 
what they're what a lot more teams are doing is saying, "Hey, why are we not giving the ball more to our best players? Like, why are we, you know, why are we running this when we should just be, hey, man, we're the Jazz. Why are we not giving it to Laurie Markkinen a lot, right? And and hey, maybe we should give Giannis Antetokounmpo the ball a lot, or or whoever it is, right? Um, and I think you're just getting more of that from reading where the hot hands are, putting those guys in positions, hey, this is what they do well, let's just keep doing it. And and with that, you're just getting these players putting up spectacular numbers. Speaking of those players, Kyrie Irving reminded me last night that he's still pretty good at basketball, Kurt. I, oh, I, I was fascinated by his game, and it's been a while since I've sat down and watched a full game of Kyrie Irving. But walk us through some of your thoughts, his connectivity with this Dallas Mavericks team and what you're seeing from him in his, I think this was his 10th game as a Maverick. Yeah, it's, yeah, first off, he is, he is, a, he's amazing to watch. I know, and the funny thing is, I don't think anybody's ever questioned like his on-court acumen as a clutch player. And it's still, he still probably has the best handles in the league, one of the best handles the league has ever seen, right? His ability to just create space with his dribble is is otherworldly. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens this summer because I, I think they're trying out the marriage. Both sides are like, hey, do, does he like it in Dallas? Does Dallas like him? And they're trying to figure it out. And they're, you know, what, three and three since the all-star break with this elite offense and terrible defense. But if the elite offense is there, you know, you can fit. You can go find role players. Um, I expect he will resign. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. We'll see how Luca feels about him. Lucas, look, this is still Luca's team. We'll see how Luca feels about him this summer. But my guess is that they resign him for two or three years. Uh, he's not he, at, at the max, but he's not going to get the max number of years. Um, and then it'll get interesting. I. On one hand, I thought, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, they can just sign and trade him. And just the Laker, everybody knows the Lakers are interested. You can just do a sign and trade, but the sign and trade hard caps the team, and the Lakers are way over it, as would be most teams he would want to go to. Um, you know, he can sign in Orlando, but I don't think that's his plan. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I, my guess is he resigns there, but the idea that a year from now. Next trade deadline or next, you know, in the summer of 2024, we could be having a, you know, I wonder what they're going to trade Kyrie to conversation. Like, that this marriage won't last. Teams, who, I mean, does it ever last with Kyrie? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. You always know it's going to go south. It's just a matter of when. You don't know how long it's going to, you'll have any kind of a honeymoon phase before uh, the flat earth Kyrie comes out and wants to play and screw things up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So let's talk about the other Brooklyn Net acquisition. Uh, I was talking to uh, the program director of the uh, of a sports station down in Phoenix this morning, and he's like, hey, it's Kevin Durant Day. First home game with Kevin Durant. Everybody's fired up. Just how special can the Suns be? And what's your early thoughts on on the Suns with uh, with KD out on the court? Yeah, I've got, uh, I got good friends who moved to Phoenix uh, years ago, um, and the city is just nuts. For, for it now. They're, they are all in, which I kind of get. And it looks way smoother in Phoenix than it has so far in Dallas. Um, and part of that's just Kevin Durant, right? For, you know, look, Kyrie's got a very specific game, and all of these stars are, you know, if you want to play with Steph Curry, uh, it's, Steve Kerr, when he was out here with the Warriors over the weekend, was talking about, like, hey, it's a challenge to play with Steph Curry. It takes either special players or you have to adapt your game. Uh, as, as versatile as he is, like there's things you need to do around him. I don't know that there's a more malleable superstar, a guy you could just plug and play anywhere than Kevin Durant. Like it just it, any game, anywhere, the, the a pickup at the Y. Like he's just going to be able to jump in anywhere and fit in and lift everybody up around him. It's kind of amazing, and he's certainly done that here. Booker's getting better looks. Chris Paul's able to be more of a facilitator. DeAndre Ayton seems happy so far. So I've got questions about their depth and defense when pressured against really good teams, but who's the really good team that's challenging them in the West? Maybe Denver, but uh, they look really good so far. 
Speaking of Denver, Kendrick Perkins stirred up a hornet's nest with some comments that he made, and J.J. Redick fired back, and it's turned it into this real brewing conversation back and forth. With that being said, in your assessment, is Nikola Jokic the right owner of the potential MVP trophy this year? I have not done a deep dive on this for my voting purposes yet. I, I will, when the calendar flips to April, I'll, you know, I'll start to really pull that together. Outside of, I'll tell you right now, Paolo Bancaro, probably rookie of the year. Like, outside of that, I have not done a really deep dive on some of this stuff. Um, but I think, I don't know if I told you guys this, I know I, I wrote this over coming into the season. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to win. MVP again, unless he like leads them to the best record in the West or the NBA, and and you know averages a triple double, and well, guess what? <laughs> you know, so I think he is absolutely there. I, I, you know, look when you talk twenty four, and we we can be guilty of this in sports the way certainly they're guilty of this in politics. Um, when you got to talk 24-7, sometimes you say stuff to get reactions. I don't know that Kendrick was really doing that per se. Um, and I don't – I'd even be willing to buy the argument that over the course of time, you know, when you were talking about Larry Bird winning three in the 80s, did, did race play a factor? Possibly. I, I With the voters, it's possible. But I don't really think it does now. I think the NBA has done a really good job putting together a really diverse voting block. It's, it's a hundred, there's a hundred of us, but it's not, it's not just guys who have been around a long time. Like myself, there's international people. There's um, some younger broadcast print. They, they go all over the map to intentionally create a really kind of diverse voting block in terms of a lot of factors. And I think that that, I don't want to say negates that, but, but, I don't think people view it that way anymore. I think I think what you end up with is people who take this pretty seriously and are and are looking at the games and the numbers and and not much else. How bad can things get for a John Morant? <sighs> they could get really bad. I mean, I hope I hope for his sake, first off, that this becomes a pivot point, becomes a, as a parent. I just feel like. Is my parent instinct kicked in? Like, I want this to be a teaching moment. I don't want it to be about punishing him for the sake of punishing him, right? Like, it needs to be about him finding the right path and, and finding path forward that, that takes it. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. And he's got a new, you know, he's, next month his signature shoe is dropping. And he's got this Powerade commercial coming out. And it's, I, I want to see him succeed. And so, having said that, it could get messy. Um, obviously, he's going to be away from the team. They said two games. It's going to be a while. Um, I, I would I, at least another week, probably longer. And if the investigation finds out that he had a gun on on the plane, that's that's kind of where things go now. He was in. Colorado's an open carry state. He, you know, I don't know that he violated any Colorado laws, but I mean, they were in Denver when this happened. Um, but that's the real question that the league and everybody's investigating, which is whose gun is it and how did it get there? Because if it's a little different if he took a gun on the plane. Um, that, 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 that not only violates uh, some NBA rules, uh, it turns out the federal government is opposed to you bringing you know, guns on planes. So we are almost uh, two weeks in, about a week and a half into the Quinn Snyder Atlanta Hawks experiment. So tell me, yeah. what what's the perception out there? How's this playing out? It's not this hasn't been much change yet, but I, I you know I feel for, I get why Quinn wanted to start to try to build the culture now, but you know, there's only so much you can do in the middle of the NBA regular season, right? Like he. You don't get, and I, 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 we've talked about this before, but I, I, it bears repeating. NBA teams barely practice. Like they do walkthroughs every day, and they go over film sessions, but practice in the sense of a traditional what we think of as a practice. If you get one of those every couple of weeks, you're good. 
because um, it's such a rest and recovery league. They don't do a lot of, of that kind of stuff. Um, it's really hard. Plus, I mean, hey, we're 60 games into the season. Let's put in a new offense <laughs> with a lot of motion. And it's just he was going to have to live with what he's got uh, for now and, and build off of that down the line. So I haven't seen any big change. They had a couple of tough losses to Miami last week in the, the 7-8 battle. So they look like right now they've got to, they've got to find a way to get some wins and hold on to the eight seed um, in the East because it's if you want to make the actual playoffs, it's way easier to get out of the play-in from the eight seed than it is the nine seed, and they're only half a game up on a, uh, a feisty Ra- a Raptors team. So. So the Jazz are doing what they need to be doing right now. They've lost three in a row and a possibility of even a longer losing streak coming up. Uh, did they start a little too late uh, to uh, really embrace that aspect? Um, obviously, you're out of the Victor and Scoot sweepstakes, but how many, you know, in your conversations with people around the league, and maybe it's too early to, have, to give you a good answer here, but how many franchise players do you think are in this draft? I mean, like true franchise cornerstone guys, probably two. Um, some people are a little higher on the Thompson. There's the Thompson twins, but Amen Thompson. Uh, I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly. Um, is the is the one seen as probably the third or fourth pick? I know some people are high on Brandon Miller um, out of college, but you know, I'm not sure that they are seen as. The sh- I don't sure as much as anything's ever a sure thing in the, any draft, um, but uh, the more sure things that Wembyamba and Scoot Henderson are seen. And by the way, I don't think they're totally out of it. I mean, the way the NBA has flattened the lottery odds, if you can get down to six or seven, your odds of you know you get a twenty five percent chance. If you're sixth, I think you have a twenty five percent chance of jumping into the top two. That's not bad. I'll take with with the, with the guys they have out there. Like that's possible. So it's not out of the question. But this is a deep draft with other with the Thompson twins and, and Miller. Uh, there's some there's really quality players there. Uh, a little deeper, there just may not be the the franchise cornerstone guys that everybody believes Scoot Henderson and, and Victor Wembanyama will be. We're we're currently dealing with this John Morant gun situation, and you brought up the name Brandon Miller and his yeah. gun situation. What just recently happened? How much do you think that hurts his draft stock? Where do you think it originally was, and how much do you think that hurts? His if draft no stock? charges are even are ever made against yeah. him, yeah, I, I will tell you because I did I did research this a little because NBC News asked me to do some stuff on it, and I was like, you know, I don't cover college basketball, right? Okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> but, um, what I discovered was when I talked to some NBA people was as long as char- as long as there's nothing new, as long as charges aren't brought against him, which it seems unlikely at this point, um, he made a a poor decision as a 19 year old. And um, I mean, I know Hans never made bad decisions when he was 19, but a lot of us did. Um, a lot of us made some mistakes. So maybe not that one, but um but when I talked to NBA teams, their reaction was, "I don't care." <laughs> like genuinely, wow. like it, um, they 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 want to they want to see what it means about his like who's he running with his character. Um, it might raise a flag there, but it doesn't really move the needle. First off, anybody drafted, frankly, anywhere, but especially in the lottery, <clears throat> that kind of background check's already done. They already talked to your parents and your associates and your coaches and whatever. And you know, look. If you're drafted sixth, I think it's like $30 million over four years that I'm committing to you. Um, yeah, I want to know everything I can about you. So there's there's a real, like that dive was already happening. This one's going to get a little more attention. But if it doesn't come back that he's a problem, a um I'm trying to think of the right phrasing here, but someone likely to have these issues in the future, then they don't care. (laughs) He's a really good player and teams are just not going to care. We're probably uh, the kids these days wouldn't, wouldn't uh, get any, uh, you know, doctor, doctor, hold me now jokes with the Thompson twins, right? (laughs) Yes. Right. I I will throw those up. Yeah, exactly. I, 
Um, I have been using those. I'm, I'm, I, for, I'm for, if I could sing, they would be much better jokes. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's the the ge- <laughs> the millennials. They they don't understand the Generation Zs. They definitely don't wouldn't get that yeah. one. But all right, well, Kurt, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining us, and uh, look forward to catching him again here soon. Thanks, Kurt. Take care, guys. Kurt Elan, NBC Sports and ProBasketballTalk.com. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. How, how did you try? I told you. I texted him. And now now I'm going to do the next thing. I'll say, hey, just so you know, I'm just going to tell. I'm going to do that because I have done this before. I'm going to say, hey, it's it's hands. It's just hands. like NBC is not pronounced Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> tell him that. Uh, or CBS Sports. Yeah. Or, okay, fine. Oh. I feel like how his screw up is now. Now coming back on me. No, it won't. What'd you think on it? Would you think on some of these things? The twenty five percent. If you're in the bottom six, you've got a twenty five percent chance to move up into the one of the top two. You just need one or two, and I think that's what the Jazz are shooting for right now. You got a lot accomplished. You you got an all star. You got a lot of really good things going your way. Now it's just time to uh, to. Uh, Really embrace the suck. It's going to be one of the most exciting drafts in jazz history because they're they're embracing the suck. Yeah, four if, games. Should I create a promo? Time to embrace the suck. Yeah, four games at all four very similar, but they're still getting nice production. Yeah, I mean, last night they were right there. Yeah, and your starting lineup was Simone Fontecchio, Ochai Baji. Kelly Olynyk, Lowry Markinen, and Taylor Horton Tucker. That was your starting five. If you're Larry Markinen and you're just coming off an All Stars starting nod, and you're looking around, you're like, "Oh my hamstring! Oh, yeah, it's tender." Yeah, I, Simone doing some nice. You know, again, kind of looked nice. Chris Dunn's looked really nice. Oh yeah, Johnny Juzang has a couple minutes that you're like, "Oh, nice, nice move." Nice drop from the outside. Every once in a while, you see Damian Jones had 23 minutes on the court. Yeah. So the Jazz are doing what they're needing to do. We can officially say the Jazz are in it to not win it. Yes. And that's the right thing because, as you just heard from Kurt Healing, get into the bottom six, it's like a 25% chance that you might get number one or number two. Yeah. And both of those would be outstanding picks. Yeah, they would. Yeah. All right, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. What you may, or excuse me, the good, the bad, the ugly, coming up next right here on The Zone. Oh, the Zone is sending you to see the Jazz at Vivint Arena. Right corner three. Wow! Listen all day, every Tuesday, for another edition of Team 49 Tuesday. As The Zone will give away a pair of tickets to an upcoming Jazz game every hour of the day. It's Team 49 Tuesday. That's the 10 lays it up and in. Every Tuesday on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good. Good, the bad, the ugly. Right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, brought to you by Zero Res. Get those carpets cleaned in the no residue way for just $89.95. Three rooms for eighty nine ninety five. That's an impressive number. Call 801-288-9376 to schedule, or you can check them out online, zeroresaltlake.com or zeroresdavisweber.com. Big shout-out, huge congratulations to Brandon Carlson, Utah's starting center right now. He was named yes, the first-team All-Pac-12 
yesterday. And this is a guy that is averaging 16 points, nearly seven and a half boards, a couple of blocks a game. And he has really helped Craig Smith kind of rebuild the name and the brand a little bit. Yeah. It's not as good as they'd hoped. They went 500 in conference play, 17 and 14 on the season. But between Brandon Carlson and Marco Anthony, who got honorable mentions on the offense, all defensive team, those two have done a pretty good job. And hopefully they've built a bit of a base that Craig Smith can continue to build on. Yeah. Uh, Five-game losing skid to end the season certainly put a damper on things after a really great start to the year. Um, they lose to Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA, USC, and Colorado to end the season. Um, I don't know if this is an NIT team, but if you look at the progress they made year to year, um, you know, the year before they're 11 and 20, this year they're 17 and 14, and hopefully they're able to take the next step next year as well. But we'll see on that one. They'll, they will lose Marco Anthony, um, who hung in there as long as he could, but uh, Wooster will come back. Um, is Carlson? We have not heard his declaration. At least I have not heard his declaration. Does he have? Because I know he's a senior, but he's, I'm not sure. No, he's got another year. He's got a COVID year. Yeah, okay. he does. He's got one more year to play. I just don't know if he's going to take it. Have you heard anything on that, Lloyd? So, if you get Carlson back with the rest of that group, then I think you have a chance to really take another jump next year. I hope he's back. I just want good things for Craig Smith, and I want the University of Utah to be competitive. I want him to be good. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's a lot like how we talk, we you know, we joke about Lloyd's Raiders, but the NFL is more interesting when the Raiders are good. I think college basketball is more interesting when the University of Utah is good. And I think Craig Smith went into there knowing it was going to be a a slow build, but he's got him on the right track and if you get Carlson to come back another year and then you supplement with the portal with the other guys that you've got back, then they have a chance to get to 20 wins next year. All right, there's your good. Let's get to the bad. Now the bad going to be a while, Scotty. Yeah. This it's might be a, a minute. Time. Those two games are going to be extended a long time. John Morant suspended for at least two games by the Memphis Grizzlies after he appeared to brandish a gun at a Denver area club in a social media video over the weekend. Now, the collective bargaining agreement between the NBA and the NBPA states explicitly that a player is prohibited from carrying a firearm while traveling on any league-related business. So the question is, did Morant have the gun on team premises? And then you also look at the fact that Colorado could get involved because Lloyd pointed this out uh, in our ears uh, during the interview with Kurt Heelan. The state of Colorado is an open carry state in terms of guns, but you can't be inebriated with a gun. And it certainly seemed like John Morant had had a few when he was brandishing that gun. It didn't seem like he was making rational decisions. No. So that could add a legal element to this as well. So there's a lot of layers to this thing that man was the, NBA, the gun on a flight. That yeah. that is a big one. I mean, was it in the team facilities? Yeah. That's a big, big one. I've I would be shocked to see him back inside ten games. I think he's got. I think he might be gone for the season. That's what I think. Actually, I think it's close. I think to the there's season. enough. Yeah. Oh geez, I almost made a, made a bad pun there. Um, I I think there there's a there's enough of oh I'll just use it, enough of a smoking gun there that uh, honestly he could be out for us extended amount of time. Yeah, because my my initial thought was it's going to be more than ten games. Yeah, I even think, though two was mentioned, it's going to be more than. 10. I think it's going to be the season. I think they're going to need it'll extend through the playoffs. And without John Morant, Memphis will be a quick out in the playoffs. And they're going to need an offseason to really dig into this thing and see how bad it is. They've lost three consecutive games. They are tough, all on the road. Denver, the Clippers, and the Lakers. So they've lost three consecutive games. And it's crazy because that time just keeps ticking. When you make a bad decision and you're off a team, time yeah. just keeps ticking. Yep. And as you mentioned, they've already nearly got enough in the bank that they're going to make the postseason. They've already put 38 wins in the bank before all of this happened. So they should, just by 
the process of elimination, they should make the postseason. By the chance they make the postseason, I'm going to say John Morant's back in that lineup. If they make the postseason, I think John Morant is back in that lineup. They'll make a hard case out of this for the next 10 games, maybe 15 as they finish out. But I don't think that they make a situation out of this that he's out, unless there's other things that are attached to this. I mean, if the state of Colorado presses charges, then he's not coming back. Might not. If they find enough to press those charges. But where things currently stand, John Morant, in my opinion, will play the postseason. Yeah. All right, there's your bad. Let's get to the ugly. And, of course, the ugly. Oh, man. Yeah. Here we go again. Tiger Woods, latest girlfriend. I guess, I don't know if we can call her the latest girlfriend. The latest ex-girlfriend of about six years is taking Tiger Woods to court over a non-disclosure agreement that she claims he made her sign and she's citing a law that prohibits NDAs to be applicable when there's evidence of sexual assault or harassment. There's the big one. Yeah. Erica Herman filed legal documents obtained by TMZ. Surprising TMZ got their hands on it. Yeah. Which spells her grievances out clear as day. Namely, she alleges that Tiger Woods made her sign an NDA at the start of their relationships. That's not uncommon. Around August of 2017, Uh, Now she says that NDA has been wrongfully enforced on her. Herman says a private trust that Tiger runs is attempting to steamroll her into keeping quiet about the relationship by aggressively enforcing the NDA that she signed. She argues in her legal docs that the NDA should be declared unenforceable under the Federal Speak Out Act, which prohibits the enforceability of an NDA agreement uh, before a dispute arises involving sexual assault or sexual harassment. This isn't going to end well. This is already a mess. Yeah. Just by her saying, I've got things to say, but this NDA is keeping my mouth shut, is like, oh, he has a history. So what has Tiger been doing to you as a girlfriend? Well, yeah, it was his girlfriend. But wait, were you his girlfriend? Because I saw her at multiple events. Oh, yeah. She was there when he won the Masters. Running out, giving him a big hug with the kids. and Riding along with them at the uh, the Ryder Cup. Yeah. When he was the uh, captain. Yep. So I guess this is one thing i got to take to my daughters. And, and I'll teach them a lesson on this when I get home. If you're ever dating a boy and he slides a piece of paper across <laughs> the table that says, you cannot talk about anything I do to you. I'm going to tell my daughters, don't sign that. Yeah. That's a bad document to sign. I I understand that you've got the Federal Speak Out Act, and maybe they are able to annul this NDA. Maybe. I doubt it. But this should be a lesson to everybody out there that – when somebody who's already been in a little bit of trouble for his tomfoolery, yeah. you probably should not sign a an agreement that says, I'll never talk about what you do to me or what we do together So, or what you do for business. So Tiger Woods has a ugly past, but, and again, correct me if I'm wrong here, nothing that he did was non-consensual, right? Like, was there any accusations of any sexual harassment or sexual assault. Well, I do remember Gloria Allred with a couple of different women uh, with them crying. I just don't remember what the cause or case like, was. Like I kept hearing about he how assaulted them that or, he br- that he broke their hearts because he was living, you know, double, triple, quadruple lives and he kept saying, "Oh, I'm going to divorce Elon and you're going to be my girl and all that stuff." But I don't remember any specific incidents of, no, I was assaulted or I was harassed by Tiger. Nothing comes to my mind. And so, and maybe I'm wrong there, but I can't recall that. So 
this would take what was already a sordid past of Tiger and then ramp it up to an 11 if you have accusations of harassment or assault. Now, Tiger, I mean, that was a dirtbag move, what he did, being married and having a bunch of women on the side. That's just horrible, you know, that's a horrible human being thing to do, but it wasn't breaking any laws. But here, she's essentially claiming my son, saying, like, I can't talk about what he did to me or how he treated me. The illegalities that he imposed on me. Yeah. But I need this NDA lifted so that I can speak out. It is so gross, man. It is gross. What's the baseball player that Bauman? Oh, the pitcher. uh, Bauer? Bauer. Yeah, Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder if it's those kinds of things that she's trying to speak out against? Six years. It You've did been seem with somebody like, for six years. Yeah. That doesn't mean that whatever happened in that six years while you were his girlfriend, it doesn't mean that there isn't validity to it. And there, that doesn't mean that you don't deserve protections. And that doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be heard. But when you put your name on an NDA to start a relationship... Yeah, that's a that's a red flag. Holy moly, not a this is this is not a marriage where you're signing some type of agree some financial agreement. This is an India. You will not disclose anything that happens between you and I. I wonder if this is, you know, when you are a celebrity of the status of Tiger Woods. I wonder if this is actually common. I and that's something I don't know. I know that a prenup is prenup, absolutely, common, yeah. yes. But I don't know if an NDA is. I don't know if you're I, like. I think that that is a red flag. Yeah. If you're at a movie and you do the little yawn and you know stretch your arm and put it around her and then she looks and you're like the arms holding a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> hey, what's up, Mama? Before if, this goes any further, I'm gonna need need to sign this. If you look at the bottom of the bucket of popcorn, <laughs> you're going to see a couple questions that. Just gonna need you to sign that right there. <laughs> Just a couple of requirements for this relationship in order for it to continue. I don't think so. I, I personally I don't think so. Prenups, yes. NDAs maybe in regards to business occurrences. Like you might have these multi-billionaires or big-time empire owners that are like, you will not say a word about our books. But this NDA is keeping her from speaking out about her relationship. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, which it would have to be a specific NDA of whatever happened between you and I. You may not speak about. Well, I also, you know, a lot of these girls. Women, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say girls. A lot of these women that Tiger Woods had relationships with before, um, I know like Howard Stern and a lot of people, and they just opened up and said everything about all the details regarding Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods is coming off that documentary where he had a high school girlfriend, you know, talk about all the stuff in their relationship. And so at this point, he probably has a lawyer like, hey, I'm really tired of this lawyer. He's like, all right, well, before you hook up with some girl, make her sign an NDA. Exactly. I guarantee it's something along those lines. You're tired of all this? You're tired of the circus? Here's a way to avoid the circus. It sounds a lot more nefarious than I I think it is. Like, as far as what he's having or not talk about. I know, but... You just hear it, and you're like... What, what, like Fifty Shades of Grey stuff? No, no, and I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. Like, you didn't hear any... With that documentary, you didn't hear anything about that stuff with, with Ty. You just heard he liked to... Partake in a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, but there was nothing that, to Scotty's point, there was nothing that I remembered that was considered illegal. It was just scumbaggery. You're being charged and convicted of scumbaggery. That was it. Unless I'm completely forgetting something. I I don't. I don't remember. Uh, But you would have thought there'd be, if somebody was making claims of sexual assault, that then you would have the legal side get involved in that. I will tell you, though, Scotty, there is going to be a conversation. It doesn't matter. You put an NDA in front of me, and you and I are dating, and I look at you and I say, hey. That's kind of really awkward. Why? (laughs) I'm just talking about you and me dating all of a sudden. Just pretend. (laughs) And we're getting a pretty serious relationship, and you slide a sheet to me, and you're like, some things are going to happen. 
and you're not going to talk about it. I'm going to say I'm not signing it. Scotty, now you. Like, go ahead. You know what? I'm glad you didn't because I was ready for this to be over. So I'm glad you're not signing that. So that's it. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's going to walk away from what we had. Yep. Didn't mean anything anyway. I'm just telling you, man, I'm not signing that paper. And then if I do sign it and things get real shady, I'm going to get out of the situation and I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to cut my losses. I'm going to get away from this as quickly as I can because I signed a paper where I can't talk about it. Yep. So the second something happens, I'm gone because I signed a paper that I can't talk about it. Am I way off base? No, on you're this? not. You're not. But it I, doesn't scream romance. That's for sure. And again, I do. The, the Federal Speak Out Act is there for a reason. It has to be. A, you have to be able to go above and beyond to hear people. I mean, okay, but let's say there was criminal sexual assault, and you did sign an NDA. Does that preclude you from being able to go to the police? I got to imagine you could go to you could go to the police. But that's what she I think that that's what he, her and her attorneys are trying to get undone right now. Saying, "No, things happen that go above this." But is okay, so is there a police report? Yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's I mean, if if it was sexual assault, sexual assault, sexual harassment, those are both actions that are criminal. And if he did that, you can go to the police. And make a, you know, file a police report. Now, maybe she did and they decided not to press charges and she's upset. And now she wants the whole world to know what happened. I don't know. I'm sure that her life is upside down. I'm sure that this is insanely difficult for her because we need a lawyer. Like, you know how we have uh, Tony Brown or our police. Yeah, we do. We need a we need a lawyer. Is there an attorney out there that'd be willing to be the. The voice. The official legal voice of Hans and Scotty. But imagine being her. And Tiger made one of the most remarkable comebacks by a fallen and disgruntled entertainer in the history of entertainment. Not just sports. Entertainment. He made one of the greatest comebacks. And not just in his given profession, I'm talking people fell back in love with Tiger. Yes. Present company included. Yes. Absolutely fell back in love with Tiger. So now she's seeing Tiger totally redeemed. You had the big masters win. You had the car wreck. You've had his multiple tournament events with his son that everybody's in love with. And he's just this comeback kid that people love. And she's sitting there like, yeah, but. He's despicable in this area. Yeah. And I need to be able to tell people about That's it. That's a good point. It's a good point. I Okay. You know who's at the bottom of this? It's Greg Norman. Turned he turned Oh, he might be. Greg Greg he turned all that down all that live money. He's like, All right, Tiger. Seven hundred million? The Saudis, they got some info on you. Do you want to see the NDA lifted? Um if she has evidence, if it's if it's criminal, yes. If she has evidence, and it should be if it's criminal. If it's if it's criminal, it should be. If it's not criminal, I don't really want to know. If yeah. it's criminal, it will be. I think. Yeah. If it's but not, if she just wants to talk about their the relationship, like, the stuff they did, just so she can make some money or whatever. Then, then no, I don't, no, 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 yeah, because that's because you know yeah, she does a tell-all book. There's what exactly that's that's what's going on. You know that could be part of this is that she just wants to be able to write a book about her six-year relationship with Tiger Woods. Said, he said mean things. He made me like one girl's complaint was that he made her fly a coach on Southwest to go see him, and she was upset that she didn't get a first-class seat. I would be too, but I wouldn't disclose that. Sounds. It does sound like petty. it does sound like she wants to write a book and go on the speaking circuit. If they lift the NDA, and her worst claim is he's kind of a deviant, then you got problems. Yeah. All right, Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, ninety-seven five, the KSL Sports Zone. Coming up next, uh, another edition of Whole World News. Straight ahead, right here on the Zone. 
Your home for Real Salt Lake is right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the 2023 home opener. Real Salt Lake returning to Sandy to face Austin, the team that knocked him out of the playoffs a year ago on penalties. The pregame show starts at 6.30 on the RSL Radio Network. First kick at 7.30 here on The Zone. Catch every moment of every RSL match right here on your exclusive home of Real Salt Lake. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Go! It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got, we got the, the whole world in our hands. You got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands. You got you and me, brother. In our hands, you got you and me, sister. Oh man! Oh <laughs> So hands and I. Watching a little Mountain West Conference first round. Colorado State, Isaiah Stevens, who's one of the best players that many people haven't heard of, hit a floater with 2.9 seconds left to give the Rams a two-point lead. So in college basketball, you can't advance at a timeout. So so Fresno State throws a full-court pass to about the, uh, just outside the three-point line. A one-armor off a four-stroke. Yep. Guy turns around, buries the three, which should give Fresno State the one-point lead. However, their coach called a timeout. What they wanted to do is advance with the pass and then call timeout and set up a play. But the guy turned around and hit, jacked the three and hit the three. It would have counted had his oh. own coach not called the timeout. They would have won this. Yeah. It's over. Yep. Oh, man. Well, they've got possession. They've got it at the half court, right? Yep. 1.9 seconds left. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get another opportunity. That's why I love this week, man. I love everything about this he week. He dropped that three <laughs> at about, about 28. Yeah, about three or four feet behind the line. Maybe 29 feet <laughs> off a turnaround as oh, his coach God. is calling timeout. As his coach calls timeout. Uh, unbelievable. But now they got 1.9 left. Let's see what they can come up with. But uh, yeah, Fresno State's not a good shooting team. They may have just wasted their one opportunity to get off a good shot. What is your plan? You hopping in a car and yep. after the show? So as soon as 3 o'clock hits and Unrival takes over, I will hit in the car and head south to Vegas. I'll do the show tomorrow. And then uh, Utah State does not play until, I want to say, 9.30 p.m. our time. 8.30 Vegas time. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. And they'll have the winner of the Wyoming... Uh, New Mexico game. That plays after this. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's one more game, and then they'll play. I think they play like 6 o'clock, Wyoming and New Mexico. Well, I hope Utah State can keep up to the level that they've been playing on. That win against Boise State, that has to create a lot of optimism. Yes. And we were just talking about the message that Gonzaga kind of sent with this beat down over St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference Championship game last night. It felt like that Boise win for Utah State had to have been a signal. Because that was a good, solid, dominant win. Yeah, it wasn't just an easy win or like a lucky win. It was a, it was a dominant wire to wire finish on that one, where they led by as many as twenty. They cut it to six, uh, but for the most part, and, and again, the chances are if Utah State wins their quarterfinal game, which they'll be favored to win, and Boise State, those two teams will rematch on Friday. Are you a believer that the best team always wins the? Tournament? Oh no, no, not at all, not at all. That's. That's the joy and the frustrating part of of conference tournaments, is that no, I mean you remember Boise or remember BYU and Jimmer Fredette, um, they were cruising, looking great, uh, had a great emotional semifinal win over New Mexico, and then just ran out of gas in that championship game against San Diego State and Kawhi Leonard. Now I I think BYU was the better team out of those two, but they just ran out of gas and had nothing left. Wow. They took another full second off the clock. There's only .6 left. They're going to lose this game. They're going to lose this game. Because they try to call a timeout. Is that an inbound? Oh, that is. Oh. They just brought the inbounds, and he touched it, and it went out of bounds. Oh, that's, yeah, if that's. Uh, 
That's Colorado that's, State possession. That's Colorado State's ball. Wow, what a way to lose that game. That's a bummer. It couldn't get the inbounds. I I love tournament play because I think it takes a lot of intelligence, takes a lot of endurance. But there's no question it takes a little bit of luck and it takes a little bit of ingenuity, creativity. Yeah. How often do you see individual play win a tournament at the college level? Um, all the time. So you would say you would take the best individual over the Player. best team. Yeah, like you know, I just mentioned Colorado State. Colorado State is probably they'll they'll play San Diego State coming up tomorrow. Um, if they hold on and win this game, which it appears like they will. And San Diego State should beat them by 15 points. But Colorado State will have the best player on the court in Isaiah Stevens. Now, San Diego State, far and away the better collective team, but the better player could very well get hot and go supernova and end up pulling off the upset. Like Sam Merrill and uh, against San Diego State. You know, San Diego State was probably from top to bottom the better team. Sam Merrill was the best player, and you saw how that how that game ended a few years ago. So yeah, you always look at who's got twenty eight points in that or something. Yep, and the game winning three. He was spectacular. It's a fun game. Where is Sam? Uh, he got signed on a ten days with Cleveland, the Cavaliers, right so now. He because he's just been circling, yep, hanging, circling in there. with Milwaukee for a little while. So he's on a 10-day with the Cavs. 10-day with the Cavs. All right, 206, Hans and Scotty. Uh, we'll kick off your 2 o'clock hour straight ahead right here on The Zone. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.